Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome on a beautiful day. It's a hump day, right? Today's Wednesday? Feels like it's later in the week. I don't know if that's because of the eventful weekend or what, but we're heading on the road on Friday to sunny South Beach, and it won't be all that sunny there. It's going to rain for the weekend, and today here in central New York, it is beautiful, crisp and coolish yesterday, but sunny, and today, gorgeous, and a good day to talk sports with you. You can join us by phone at 437-7644 or 4ESPN44. In the booth on ESPN Radio, brought to you by CH Insurance, cnyrealtor.com, and Burdick Ford. An achievement in the history of our show with uh, Max apparently gone, Seth Goldberg doing the update, and one of the first words on the update was Joe Salzone, and he ended up getting his own name in there. So that's an achievement. we got to start somewhere in terms of the way we uh, build things together. So that's all good. Polly, how are you? I am well, Matt. How are you? Okay, we're going to talk a little hoops today. Our friend Jerry McNamara, who's always good to lean on when it comes time to uh, get a real pulse and in-depth details on uh, how the guys are practicing and what they're working on, will uh, be with us and uh, really enjoy uh, Jerry's perspective on everything, and uh, with the orange versus white scrimmage on Friday night, we'll be down in Miami, but at the Dome, a 7 o'clock start for what will be a real deal scrimmage. Uh, the Orange Madness event in recent years has been about a lot of things and has been a lot of eye candy and fun times, and then they kind of go up and down the floor for, for 10 minutes. This is going to be 30-minute running time halves and uh, maybe a little more student-oriented in terms of the way that it's uh, produced and promoted, but... Uh, with all these new players and new parts, people that go to the Dome on Friday night are going to actually see them play some ball. And uh, they go at it. I've, I've had, you know, in our position, we get the luxury of seeing them them scrimmage, and it's not just friends playing basketball. They go at it. They do, and when they want to uh, turn it on and play hard, go for it. You know, it's funny you mentioned um, playing hard and, and, and getting after it in terms of the competition level because we saw – you know, and I just put it on Twitter, hashtag sports with a couple of things last night. Sports showed itself and why we love it in, in a couple of ways and the various uh, dramatic moments that can pop up. We can work through some of the highlights last night, but I go maybe in, in backwards order then. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, the Gordon Hayward thing just is disgusting and it's part of sports. Think about that in, in any walk of life, but here's a guy, prime of his life, had been in a small market, goes back to sign a pro contract with his college coach, $128 million. Isn't this going to be great? Bang. The Celtics are going to contend with the Cavaliers, and they got these two new studs with Kyrie Irving, and boom, five minutes into the first game as a Boston Celtic, a gruesome ankle injury, and uh, I'm sure, I don't know if they've said it officially, but there's no chance he's back this year, and uh, that's similar to what we've seen here in recent years. Terrell Hunt, back for a play or so and gone. Brittany Sykes, back for a play or so, gone with another injury, and then most recently this football season, Antoine Cordy, who missed all of last year, injured nine games into the the first game of this season, 
and you feel so badly for the people that put in the time and work and effort and energy to get where they need to be and uh, have so much in front of them, and it's taken away in an instant with a, with a fluky thing. It wasn't a dirty play or um, anything off the court or him playing in a haphazard manner, but uh, it all went away for Gordon Hayward there, and we hope for a speedy recovery. It does bring up the conversational, Paul, and I'm sure that this is more of a you thing to throw out than a me thing to throw out, but did you see the video? Did you seek it out? And now, where'd you stand on that one? What would you tell other people about it? Believe it or not, I don't like seeing stuff like that, and I did not seek it out. I've seen a still shot of it, which is gruesome, but I I don't think I could sit through the video of it. Yeah. Not my cup of tea. This is foot pointing the wrong way kind of stuff, and uh, not good. I, I did see some people on Twitter saying, hey, should I watch or not? And I think most people come back with, no, you know, no. If you're a person who is squeamish around those things and don't, doesn't want to see it, it's kind of hard to avoid in some cases, but uh, if you were looking for a th- thumbs up or down, like, hey, is this one really bad? Do you want to avoid it? Yeah, you want to avoid this one. It was The only thing I could think of comparable is I think it was Moises Alou stepped on the bag wrong, and his ankle did that, and it was yeah. gruesome also, and I, I, I can't look at stuff like that. Yeah, the only upshot is it's 2017. The medical staffs are so good. Hospitals are so good. Technology so improved that uh, somebody like that can get back at it. Connor Barwin had the best tweet last night on the NFL defensive lineman who uh, played against Syracuse as a tight end for Cincinnati back in his uh, college days. He said, look, same thing happened to me. First game, first series with a new team. And uh, I had surgery, missed every game that year, but hasn't missed a game since over the the time from from 2010. So um, hope for a speedy recovery for Gordon Hayward. That's sports. Also, what sports? The Yankees at home needing to win kicking the ball around the infield, catcher's interference, et cetera, down 3 nothing, finding a way to rally uh, for a victory uh, to come back, and we'll have uh, some of that. In fact, uh, Aaron Judge, who there was a discussion yesterday, was he going to hit any more home runs in the postseason? Uh, you bet he's going to hit home runs, and the Yankees are going to come back from 4 nothing down to beat the Astros and even the series. The pitch to Judge swung on. A high drive to deep center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Oh, what a Judgean blast to Monument Park in dead center field. Oh, the Yankees finally hit a ball hard, all right. All rise. Here comes the Judge. Aaron Judge homers to dead center and way over the Monument Park wall. And the Yankees trail 4 1. And Chapman deals, swung on, a high pop. They're going to get it. Gardner in left field. Gardner makes the catch. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Our boy John really laying it on thick there, and uh, no surprise, justifiably so. The Yankees' season was over. John Shambi did a great job. I was listening on this station on 97.7 to the ESPN radio call, and I drove. We had football interviews at Manly. When I left Manly, it was 0-0 on the sixth. On the drive, the three-run home run uh, for uh, Houston to put them up 3 nothing. I go into the office thinking, well, I know the score of that one for a while. I can do my work. Get back in the car. The Yankees' uh, rally is mounting. I get home. Shambi says, you know what? I don't see a scenario where the Yankees – can win this series if they don't win this game. And they sort of chip away, bang, and uh, able to overtake that deficit 
and go on to win even the series at uh, two games apiece. Exciting stuff. You can hear, of course, all the Yankee broadcasts on TK99 and a lot of the ESPN national broadcasts right here. When we come back, Jerry McNamara will talk basketball. We'll get you set for the Orange versus White scrimmage. It's in the Dome on Friday night at 7 o'clock. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants are at MetLife against the Seahawks. Pre-game at 325. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio, back tomorrow to talk football as the Orange take on Miami. Joe Zagacki, the play-by-play voice of the Miami Hurricanes for a long time, will be our guest, as will Ian Eagle of CBS. And with the win on Friday night, the when does basketball start chant has not... Sunday, the Giants are at MetLife against the Seahawks. Pre-game at 325. Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio, back tomorrow to talk football as the Orange take on Miami. Joe Zagacki, the play-by-play voice of the Miami Hurricanes for a long time, will be our guest, as will Ian Eagle of CBS. And with the win on Friday night, the when does basketball start chant has not yet begun, thankfully. And uh, it'll be here in due time. But one preview of basketball will be in the Dome Friday night, the Orange versus White scrimmage. And uh, you can check that out in the Dome, part of a uh, fan appreciation weekend. The Syracuse women have an event in the uh, Dome on Sunday as well. And wanted to catch up with Jerry McNamara since we've been locked up on uh, football, haven't been able to get to practice as much as we'd like, maybe out there later today. But uh, we began with Jerry's uh, overview of uh, how things are going and then worked through uh, both the knowns and unknowns in terms of the personnel. Well, I think you know we've ramped up, uh, you know, a little bit earlier than people realize. You know, once that first day of practice comes in, you know, our guys have prepared themselves physically to get to get ready mentally. Um, you know, but it's difficult to simulate, you know, the, the intensity of the first day of practice. I'll never forget that as a player. That first day of practice of, of, of how aggressive and hard guys go. Um, you know, it's a different type of speed. You could train <laughs> all, all summer, um, you know, but but the emotion and the adrenaline rush of p- practicing that first day is 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 difficult to simulate. So uh, it's been good so far. You know, I think the one thing that you never want to coach is effort. We haven't had to do that yet with this group. Um, you know, so so it's been fun for us. You know, obviously we we have a very very young team. Um, you know, before Geno Thorpe coming over from South Florida, you know, Frank Howard was going to be our oldest player. You know, as a junior, so. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of work to do. Obviously, with Pascal coming off his injury, you know, coming back really essentially off a season where he didn't really play. Um, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts. And then you have, you know, the issue with Torian leaving uh, late. Um, you know, so so it, it's been, you know, us kind of feeling them out, them kind of feeling us out. But, um, you know, through that process, they've worked incredibly hard. And, and to this stage, that we that's, you know, all you can really ask for. Yeah, very good. And we'll touch base on all of those things in further detail. But do you get the sense that because the theme of this year is, hey, you got to figure it out and got to make something happen here because of the blow dealt by Torian Thompson leaving? And the, you just – the cards you were dealt on the first day of school – or maybe a little bit different than you anticipated, that when guys come and there's so many new players that they're not looking to maintain at practice, they're looking to get better and to build something at practice. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that this team has to be is, is incredibly scrappy. Uh, you know, 
with being so young and and uh, you know losing a the caliber of scorer Torian was, you know I think we're going to have to do it as a collective group, especially from that forward position now uh, with Matthew coming off his redshirt year with O and, and Marek coming in uh, as freshmen. Uh, we kind of have to do it collectively, um, you know. But I, I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference from last year to this year is we have to be a better defensive team. Uh, you know, with the firepower that we had with John and, and, and Andrew from the backcourt of being able to score, obviously Andrew is his ability to shoot. Uh, but you're talking about two guys that proved they could score 40 in a game, <laughs> not 20, you know, 40. Um, you know, but but the one thing we did struggle with was on the defensive end, and I think especially from that center position, uh, from from where we were last year defensively, I think we could really improve on that aspect of it. Uh, certainly from my position position from the guard spot, we need to be a lot better. Um, you know, so there's a lot of moving parts on the defensive end that I feel like we can really improve on. That I feel like we've already made strides in from that area. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to imagine that we'll be able to score more points than we did last year. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's too far-fetched. So uh, where you make that up is, is being a little bit more disruptive on the defensive end, which I, I you know, <laughs> we can't be much well, worse. No. You know, and Coach said it, you know, we actually had an event last night. Coach said it, you know, it's, you know, we're so accustomed to being in the top one or two or three teams in the league defensively. You know, it, it was magnified last year that we weren't a great defensive team. We were still eighth. Um, you know, but we've been so historically good on the defensive end uh, that it was kind of magnified a little bit. So I, I think that's early where our guys have really tuned in and, and, and uh, you know, put a lot of their effort and focus in as has been on that end because the guys that are returning know that they needed to get better on that side of the court. And, um, you know, with, with with our pieces offensively, with our ability in the open court, I think, with this team, they understand that defensively uh, can, can give us some opportunities to score some easy baskets in transition. Yeah, knowing you as I do and, and the other coaches, your stomach ached last year for the defense. And you, I kind of got the sense that we've got to get this figured out, but almost like a helpless feeling to adjust anything on the fly from last year. So in the effort to make changes, how much of it is related just to the personnel and, and how much can you, you just sort of reset and say, look, that that's not us and uh, we're not going to be in position to succeed if the defense isn't where it needs to be representative to Syracuse? I think it's a combination of the two. You know, uh, you know I think some of it was personnel-based. I think some of it is, uh, you know, systematically. Uh, you know, I, I think when you talk about, you, you know, you had we had a lot of new, new moving pieces, you know, certainly with John and Andrew. Uh, John learning the guard position, Andrew primarily being at the forward spot. Um, you know, but now you, you add a little bit more length. I think we're going to be a little bit longer from the guard position, so uh, we're probably a little bit less vulnerable to high post touches as consistently. Um, you know, if you look back, you know, for instance, against the Wisconsin game, you know, it wasn't very difficult to get it in the middle of our zone. Um, you know, those are areas that I think we'll be better at. You know, obviously with Tyus being the length he is and Frank and, and now Gina, who's a really good defender, on, you know, both man-to-man and, and now early in the zone. Uh, and Howard Washington, who's picked up the moving parts of, of positionally where you're supposed to be in the zone. And, um, you know, you add back the length of a Pascal in the center, you know, which is an immediate presence at the rim, uh, which we didn't have yeah. much of a presence last year at the rim, if at all. Right. Um, you know, Barama is still a work in progress. He's young, but he's, you know, the one thing he is, he'll remind you a little bit of by he's not as long, but his motor is the mm-hmm. same way. So, um, and, and then, you know, it's about Matt being in the system, so he's got to step ahead. Um, it's about Owen Rick getting accustomed to what we're trying to do, but I think it's a little bit of combination. I, I think we have the personnel pieces from the guard spot to be a little bit longer and more disruptive, uh, and certainly from the from the center position, I think 
will be much improved being able to uh, certainly affect rim, you know, shots at the rim. All right, Jerry McNamara is with us. When we come back, we'll get into uh, some of the personnel and the way that the, this team is developing under uh, his watch and the rest of the coaching staff uh, so far through preseason practice. Orange versus White scrimmage is in the Dome Friday night. A 7 o'clock start to that for a scrimmage with the guys. Kind of a student-oriented deal. More on that as we continue. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. The word stun and shock and surprise you have to use very carefully these days because just when you think nothing can stun you, it'll come along and do that. But it, we're so desensitized to shock and awe and things of that nature these days in sports that rarely am I truly stunned. There are three things about that game that fit that description. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back with Jerry McNamara and talking about what we might expect at the uh, Orange versus White scrimmage on Friday night. And first of all, Jerry, the guys looking forward to uh, being out of Mellow Center and uh, in the big gym and uh, a chance to get out and run. And, and I guess one of the differences in terms of the format of the event this year is uh, it might be a little bit more uh, up and down and, and a- actually breaking a sweat, which we haven't really seen in years past. Yeah, I think this year is a little bit different from, from the sense of we're going to let them go a little bit. We're going to open them up and, and, and let them get out there and play a little bit. And and I think when you put them in that environment, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting for these guys. They're so sick of just doing it in front of their coaches. They're probably sick and tired of our voice at this point. And, um, you know, it, it, just like we talked about, it's difficult to simulate the first day of the speed and intensity of practice. It's really difficult to simulate, listen, man, this is the first time we're in front of people and we get to show what we're about. And, you know, I think this group understands where they've been picked in the league. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, somewhat of a motivating piece. It's still not going to win games for you, uh, but they're fully aware of what people think. And I think they want to get out there and, and have some fun and, and show that there's some, you know, there's some pretty good players on this team. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how they all fit together. Certainly athleticism and that type of thing and bounce are not going to be concerns, and, and it rarely is uh, the way this program has been branded for the last uh, period of time. And, and uh, that's the, the, what you've sort of brought in. So we'll get to the new personnel in a bit. Let's start with the knowns. And uh, I've only been able to get out to practice a couple times, but uh, 25 is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Tyus Battle the other day, I'm up here and there's a pass that's kind of thrown too far. And for most people, it would have hit the wall. Uh, for him, he tracked it down, kept it in bounds along the baseline, one kind of touch to corral it, and then a two-handed dunk over somebody. Uh, what do you have in his development? Well, I think the big thing when Ty got here um, you know, was learning how to change his speed. You know, He's so explosive. Um, he's the highest caliber of athlete, but he went a thousand, a thousand miles an hour all the time. And and I'm so happy with his development from the sense of he's changing his speeds now. He's understanding how to, you know, manipulate an angle, uh, how to create an angle, um, and then when he gets an angle, how to expose a defender. And you know, he's always been an op- you know, a, a problem in the open court. He's always been able to get off his own shot because he's so quick and crafty in a one-on-one scenario. Where I'm really pleased is his development in the pick and roll game uh you know understanding the different reads that come with how he's being defended understanding how to maximize your your opportunity when there's a switch when there's a hard hedge when it's played soft uh when they go underneath on the ball screen so that that to me um you know is his biggest development and he's worked so hard you know you see the Gordon Hayward thing, and it breaks your heart because you don't understand how hard these guys work, how much it means to them, uh, how many hours they put in on the craft behind the scenes just to go out when you see them and perform. 
Um, and he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that works really hard. He cares about his performance. He cares about where he's headed in this game. And uh, he's a phenomenal kid, but he's, he's a heck of a talent. Um, but, it, but it's not going to be by mistake if he's successful. He's put in a lot of hours. He averaged 11 points per game as a freshman, but it's very notable to point out much more than that in the most important games as the, the season wore on. He was really needed. Uh, no secret you're going to need a lot more than that from him this year, and it's going to be significantly challenged because there just aren't the other scoring options. He's not sneaking up on anybody. Uh, how have you addressed with him? Well, I think the big thing is, you know, people fail to realize, I think he averaged 17 a game over our last 10 games. And if he was really rolling, what, what people also might not realize is he caught the flu, mm-hmm. you know, and he hit the game winner at Clemson. And I believe it was Pittsburgh, Louisville were the following games. I mean, he was a dog in those games. He, he had nothing, you know, and he was going out there and playing. shows you his passion and his heart. He had no energy, you know. He, he was dog tired. So, um, you know, he, he understands um, not only – uh, what's expected of him this year, but what he's capable of. You know, I, I think he likes the opportunity of that challenge. And, um, again, he's prepared for it. You know, he's come here and, and he proved to us last year not starting early, getting into the starting, posi- into the starting two-guard spot. And I think when we did that, it changed things for us. We moved Andrew down to the three, and uh, he was a big spark for us offensively. He's really talented on that end, uh, and he's going to continue to get better on the defensive end. But he knows what's expected of him, and, and, and he knows certainly what he's capable of. Yeah, cannot wait to see uh, what year two is for Tyus Battle. Now, you mentioned Frank Howard as really the most experienced player in the program uh, on the team. We can get to Geno Thorpe here in a second. What's Frank's mental approach to this junior season? Well, he's been really vocal early in practice, which I love about him. Um, you know, it, the, the tough thing for Frank was he, he went into this offseason with, the, you know, the sports hernia surgery. So uh, it washed away a little bit of his summer where we put a lot of weight in and guys really improving their game individually. We're big believers in the program of skill development individually and then turning it into production as a unit. Um, you know, so he lost some of that time, but I'm really happy with where his conditioning is early. Um, you know, he came back and he's worked really hard to get back in the right type of shape. I think his last two or three practices have been his his best of the first few weeks. Uh, so he's continuing to get better and better because of he's coming off that injury and, and getting back in, rounding into to physical shape. So uh, again, you know, he's one of those guys early on was terrific for us last year. You know, shot the ball over 40% from the three. His assist to turnover ratio was incredible. People, you know, I don't know if I believe he averaged almost close to five and a half mm-hmm. last year in yeah. the league, you know, which was right up there near uh, amongst the best. And he's got that type of ability. It's about the consistency of it. Um, you know, being able to shoot 40, let's shoot 40 all year, not just, you know, the first 10, 12 games. Let's play great against the great teams. And uh, I think that's where he struggled a little bit, you know, and, and sometimes confidence-wise, you know, you get down and it becomes a mental thing. And, you know, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. The best thing about sophomores is they're juniors, you know. So hopefully this year of experience and uh, the summertime where he's gotten back into shape now and uh, getting back feeling confident and vocal in practice. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how the last, you know, certainly the last three practices, but really how, how he's been over the last week and a half. Jerry, let's uh, move on to some of these new faces that we're seeing here, and you can kind of take them in any order you choose, but I guess uh, Geno Thorpe would be the first one to, to start out on. Uh, comes from South Florida. Uh, how applicable is his experience there to, to what you see here, and, and what do you think he can give you? Well, I, I think the great thing about Geno coming in was, you know, he, he had said, you know, I just want to go somewhere and win. I want to be a part of that type of culture, and, you know, when he came over, it doesn't take long for us to to realize what a guy's about. And after my first workout with him, I'm like, all right, he gets it. You know, he he he's he's seen everything in college basketball. Um, you know, he's bought into the to the idea of I want to go somewhere and win. 
Um, and he's brought that out on the court every day. He's tough, a tough kid, competitor. Um, but it gives us the ability to shoot. It gives us right away a, a proven score and, and proven experience. Um, but his ability to shoot and defend is much needed. Um, you know, so he's been terrific early. And, and over the last week, uh, I think early on he was finding his way as far as how we operate, how we do our practices. Um, he had said to me, I said, how, how do you think practices are going about a weekend? He said, I love our practices. There's no fluff. It's all substance. Um, you know, in, in the two hours and 15 minutes that we've been going, it's two hours and 15 minutes of productivity. So I think that's a little bit different from him as opposed to, you know, maybe a longer practices with a lot of stoppages. You know, we do a lot of teaching and, and let them go out and roll the ball out and, and, and you know, teach within the confines of, of, you know, our system. So he's been picking it up in stride, and over the last week he's been much more aggressive on the offensive end, which has been a big boost for us. So if he wanted to go somewhere and compete, correct me if I'm wrong, Howard Washington's deal, I want to play for Syracuse, and he's known that for a long time. Uh, might have been offended that he wasn't uh, initially uh, caught up in the recruiting stuff, and, and now you've got him here, and, and uh, how's he coming along? He's great. You know, he, he, he's, he's very intelligent. Um, he's, a, he's a pure point. You know, there, there's combos. Um, you know, there's scoring park, point guards. Howard's a pure point guard. He understands. He's very similar to Tyler Ennis in the sense of how he plays at his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things early, he was terrific in the first few practices, picking apart the pick and roll. Um, now, again, you know, this is about consistency as a freshman. Uh, one of the things that I'm really happy about is we worked really hard over the summertime on his jump shot, elevating his release point. Um, and he's really improved as a shooter, and he was already a good shooter. So um, that's the aspect that I'm really excited about is he's a pure point guard that understands reads. Uh, he understands pace of play, and he's shooting it at a high level. I think where we need to continue to piggyback and grow with him is his foot speed on the defensive end, um, you know, continuing to learn our press. You know, that, that's been uh, – he and I have had multiple conversations about that. You know, if you're the point guard in our pressure, it's important for you to understand where your position is because you're so vital in that back line of being able to pick off the middle pass. And uh, those, are, those are the things that all freshmen deal with. So uh, I love the kid. I love, I love how hard he works. I love how hard he is on himself. Um, he's a phenomenal kid to work with. He, you know, one of the things about Tyler Ennis, and, and you know, it's so difficult to compare guys. Um, I, I don't necessarily do that. But one thing I always said about Tyler is he never wasted a rep. You know, it was difficult to go through a 45-minute hour workout, you know, before or after practice, and you never waste one rep. You know, it's very difficult to do. Um, and, and Howard's in that caliber. He never wastes a rep. Every, every rep he goes through is a game speed, intense, fully focused rep, and. Um, you know, at that at that age, it's just the maturity level that I admire the most. You wonder how a guy improves and contributes as much as he as Tyler Ennis did in one year. It's by being efficient like that, not wasting your time. That's right, and and, and that's 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 exactly why I love working with him. Um, you know, he 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 comes out on the court every day uh, with the sense of I want to improve today. I'm not going to waste any opportunity that I get. And, and, you know, early on in practice, he's looked really good because he's had that focus and mentality. All right, very good. Always appreciate your time. We'll keep it on the guards for now. But uh, I'm curious about O'Shea Brissett, who uh, uh, sounds awfully fun to watch, and I think uh, fans will have a good time in the Dome on Friday night. We'll be thinking about you from Miami, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I think O might excite a few guys with yeah. this, you know, certain level of, of athleticism. Yeah, you can really go, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing that in his freshman season. Jerry McNamara with us. More to come as we wrap up the show next. Next, in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The home of the Giants. Play fake, Manning pops it, throws it over the middle, completes it underneath. Odell Beckham Jr. racing into the end zone for the touchdown. He turned on the Jets on the slant. 
Giants football is brought to you by Burdick Lexus. Third and goal from the three. Manning out of the gun, takes the snap, he's back to throw. He has time, throws it to the end zone, touchdown Giants. The home of the Giants. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Coming off an upset of mighty Clemson. It does not get easier this Saturday for the Orange. They head to Miami to face the Hurricanes. Pre-game at 1.30, kickoff at 3.30. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. This MLB postseason has seen some good drama, but games have lasted longer than in years past. The regular season saw records set for longest games, that trend continuing this month. On average, games in both the American and National League Championship Series were 3 hours and 35 minutes. That's up 10 minutes from last year and over 20 minutes from 2015. I could do probably the whole show on the pace of play and length of game issue in Major League Baseball. I love baseball. I want it to continue to grow and thrive. I want more people in, not out. And at the same time, I have some conflicted feelings on this. First of all, the reason that these that games take long, the primary culprit, and it happens a lot in the postseason, of course, is pitching changes. And it's also obviously because of television and marketing and all these other things that aren't going away. You're not putting that uh, toothpaste back in the tube. I would love to see pitching changes be tightened up. I understand that you. One thing, way to do it is say, "Hey, you're in, when you're called upon to come in the game, you come in the game." And if the bullpen mound is slightly different than the game mound, well, you're a pro. You got to figure it out on the fly. That would be one thing that would maybe uh, speed things up a little bit here and there. But when you go to games, you know, particularly baseball, you go to relax and enjoy. I, I don't think people go to games generally speaking, and say, man, I wish there was less product here. I wish I got, I wish I was out of here faster for my $125 ticket. Uh, I think you kind of uh, let it soak. And that being said, I do think some of these, if, if I were going to games as a fan, which I don't do all that often, I know that they do drag on more than I view that they do uh, because I'm broadcasting the games. But uh, they're trending in the wrong direction in some cases, but it's because of the way the game is played right now. I don't think it's for the fan that's there watching. No. The guy on TV, like, there's nights where I'm like, this has got to end. It's, it's yeah, but it also, they start late. You know, this is, I hesitate to bring this up because I feel like an old keister when I'm talking about, well, they don't, you know, don't start until 8, 20 or 8. If the game started at 7 o'clock and went four hours, well, that's 11 o'clock. That's, that's not a problem, you know, or to 10.30 or whatever. But the fact of the matter is because of, the opportunity to uh, maximize ratings and to put your pregame show and additional content to make your money back. These games don't start until after eight o'clock. Uh, that, that's more of a, an issue to me than how long it takes. Yeah, and the, and being the radio programming professional that I am, the breaks are a minute longer going in between innings yeah. during the postseason. Well, all are. the people who cover this story are part of the problem. In as much we all we're all out to make money on all of this, and nobody's giving up those opportunities. If you said to you know, all the broadcasters in Major League Baseball, yeah, one way to shorten the games is we're going to make it 60-second uh, breaks between innings, and you're going to lose a third of your inventory. Coming off an upset of mighty Clemson, it does not get easier this Saturday for the Orange. They head to Miami to face the Hurricanes. Pre-game at 1.30, kickoff at 3.30. Catch Syracuse football all season long on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care 
more. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. This MLB postseason has seen some good drama, but games have lasted longer than in years past. The regular season saw records set for longest games, that trend continuing this month. On average, games in both the American and National League Championship Series were 3 hours and 35 minutes. That's up 10 minutes from last year and over 20 minutes from 2015. I could do probably the whole show on the pace of play and length of game issue in Major League Baseball. I love baseball. I want it to continue to grow and thrive. I want more people in, not out. And at the same time, I have some conflicted feelings on this. First of all, the reason that these that games take long, the primary culprit, and it happens a lot in the postseason, of course, is pitching changes. And it's also obviously because of television and marketing and all these other things that aren't going away. You're not putting that uh, toothpaste back in the tube. I would love to see pitching changes be tightened up. I understand that you. One thing way to do it is say, hey, you're in, when you're called upon to come in the game, you come in the game. And if the bullpen mound is slightly different than the game mound, well, you're a pro. You got to figure it out on the fly. That would be one thing that would maybe. Uh, speed things up a little bit here and there. But when you go to games, you know, particularly baseball, you go to relax and enjoy. I, I don't think people go to games, generally speaking, and say, man, I wish there was less product here. I wish I got, I wish I was out of here faster for my $125 ticket. Uh, I think you kind of uh, let it soak. And that being said, I do think some of these, if, if I were going to games as a fan, which I don't do all that often, I know that they, do drag on more than I view that they do uh, because I'm broadcasting the games. But uh, they're trending in the wrong direction in some cases, but it's because of the way the game is played right now. I don't think it's for the fan that's there watching. No. The guy on TV, like, there's nights where I'm like, this has got to end. It's, it's Yeah, but it also, they start late. You know, this is, I hesitate to bring this up because I feel like an old keister when I'm talking about, well, they don't, you know, don't start until 8.20 or 8.00. If the game started at seven o'clock and went four hours, well, that's eleven o'clock. That's that's not a problem, you know, or to ten thirty or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, because of the opportunity to uh, maximize ratings and to put your pregame show and additional content to make your money back, these games don't start until after eight o'clock. That, that that's more of a, an issue to me than how long it takes. Yeah, and the, and being the radio programming professional that I am. The breaks are a minute longer going in between innings yeah. during the postseason. Well, than they all are. the people who cover this story are part of the problem in as much we all, we're all out to make money on all of this, and nobody's giving up those opportunities. If you said to you know, all the broadcasters in Major League Baseball, yeah, one way to shorten the games is we're going to make it 60-second uh, breaks between innings, and you're going to lose a third of your inventory, that's not going to go over very well. Did you say old keister? Yeah, it is geese. Geezer, 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 keister. Uh, I don't think you, uh, Joe, are in position to be uh, quibbling over my words. Uh, We'll move on then. Uh, The auction of a 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series ring has been canceled. Leland's auction says it it has removed the ring from auction at the request of the Cubs. At first, the team had questions about whether or not the ring was authentic. It later was verified to be real. Well, that's a very valuable World Series ring. First of all, they all are, but when the Cubs haven't won in 108 years, and 108 years ago, I don't think they gave out rings. A lot of times it was cigar cases and and stuff like that. To have the general public get their hands on a Cubs World Series ring would be very, very valuable. And if I were the Cubs, I would uh, like to try to keep all of those things under wraps and uh, in their control. It's always a shame to see somebody with resort to selling off something like this. Yeah, do we know whose it was? It's a quick turnaround. That's a for a Cubs ring. Yeah, it's not like there's somebody down on their luck after <laughs> yeah. all of this. I mean, somebody was 
attached to the team enough uh, to have gotten a ring in the past year. For all we know, it could have been stolen. Potentially. But then you'd hear a report of who had their ring stolen. That is true. A 21-year-old... Try Detroit- to connect the dots a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, Follow the- A 21-year-old oh, Detroit man was wanted for violating his probation. He surrendered to police after bringing a box of donuts to the police station. Michael Zadell had promised to turn himself in if a post on the department's Facebook page was shared 1,000 times. It was. Zadell was sentenced to 39 days in jail. Surrendered to police That's a great after story. bringing a box of donuts. He brought a box of donuts to his surrendering. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. a bagel. I left yeah, that well, out. What I'm getting at is, well. yeah. You also left out what he did. That would have been the, the you know, why was he wanted would probably be a Violating good... probation. Yeah, I think we need some more specifics here. <laughs> what, uh, so here, here's, here are the couple of things that I'm more interested in. So uh, how is it that you're associated with the Chamber of Commerce? You have a, ch- a Chamber of Commerce meeting today? You're all suited up today. Well, I was actually told this was our school picture day. Uh-huh. I, I like the tie. Nice. I could wear that tie. It's uh, sufficiently blue and orange. And would you, would you like to borrow it when I'm done with it's it? It's a little wide for my taste, but maybe it wouldn't well, look I'm as wide to, on somebody. I'm trying to cover my stomach. Uh huh. Doing the best I can. I was going to say he's very wide himself. So. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Paulie. Yeah, you've been covering it. <laughs> uh, I try. Here's one though. I, I get we always get these emails. You get a thousand emails a day. I'm interested in Paulie's opinion on this, but I'll throw it out for for both of you. What would it take for you to say yes? on this offer that I got today that I, Weird Al Yankovic is on tour. He's coming to Ithaca, Ooh. so I, I can't imagine see, how close he would have to be and how convenient it would have to be for me to, to I have seen to Weird Al before. I would go see Weird Al again, and I was speaking to a gentleman I share an office with. We had discussed going and then realized it's Weird Al not doing parody songs. It's an acoustic Weird Al Music, like it's a normal the concert. The ill-advised vanity tour is the name of it. Yeah, apparently he's not doing parody and it's acoustic, so I'll pass on that. I mean, if he was right here at Red Red House, maybe playing the greats, eat it and that type of stuff, maybe. Yoda. I saw him one of the loudest concerts I've ever been to in my life. Really? Yeah, oh, deafening. You got to just blare it when you got stuff yeah. that good, huh? Well, yeah, I love Rocky Road. Got to hear it at, even if at he's, 11. Even if he's doing acoustic, I would still go. I mean, it's weird out. Is it his but own songs, acoustic, he, or no? He's yeah, just he, trying to be like, I'm he, singer-songwriter yeah, guy. He, I don't know, but he's not doing parody songs. Yeah, I'd still go. Yeah, that's his thing. He's a legend. Like, Yeah, yeah, he's a legend for doing parody songs. Eh, I would still go. If the ticket was free, I would I would go. All right. You I got, have to pay. You then. don't have a lot of other options, do you, Joe? That is, that's very true. <laughs> try, try to bring that up at the meeting. Uh, I'll, I'll do that. Can, do we, we, can we get... <laughs> Oh, Can boy. we get Weird Al to Auburn, New York to perform a concert? <laughs> Joe's backyard. That would bring in some commerce. That's right. Sponsor oh, show. There. Very good. Do we care? It's brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. Since I spent uh, considerable time on yesterday's show talking about places to get sandwiches, we might as well pop the sponsor that I would imagine does have sandwiches in addition to fantastic pizza, which they are allowed to drop off at the studio at any time. Listen all day. Get back to the phones, Joe, because we're about to prompt. Listen all day and be caller number five when prompted for your chance to see an advanced screening of ESPN's 30 for 30 Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story at the Red House Arts Theater. That's Thursday, November 2nd. Get an exclusive behind the scenes look at the legendary wrestler. What if I told you you can hear about Ric Flair and have dinner with Brent Axe? <laughs> 
Winners will see the movie, have a chance to win the complete 30 for 30 library, and enjoy a free meal. Stick around for a Q&A with Brent Axe, brought to you by United Auto Supply and your friends here at ESPN Radio Syracuse. It's a cool little setup. Went to the last one we no, did. No, that was fun. I, I will I will say that was a great time. Uh, intimate over there. How many people did we have? 60? 90. 90, okay. 90 folks watched uh, the Mike and the Mad Dog documentary. Wrestling's not really my thing, but I'm sure this is a very well done one of uh, Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story. And they'll bring some food. And uh, Red House Arts Center was a fantastic host, good venue. Nice little tight setup in there. And then Brent will do his thing with a Q&A afterwards. All good stuff. A replay of the Clemson football game can be heard here Thursday night following the Dino Babers show. Brian Higgins is hosting the Dino Babers show this week. And Sean Lewis, the co-offensive coordinator, will be coach's guest on the show. When that's all over, a replay of the game begins at 8 o'clock. And... uh been 30 years since there was a win quite like that. Everybody's hoping it's not 30 years for the next one, but if you'd like to relive that one, you can do it right here at 8 o'clock on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Mention the orange versus white scrimmage. It's in the Dome Friday night with a 7 o'clock start time, and you can see the guys get up and down the floor a little bit, and it's sort of in lieu of kind of the orange madness as it's been done in the past. The women in this case will have their own event Sunday the 22nd, 11.30 a.m. open practice, and then uh, a chance to meet everybody and have selfies taken and an ice cream. That's called Hoops and Scoops. Get it, Polly? Hoops and Scoops. Got it. And then uh, the men's scrimmage, orange versus white, 7 o'clock on Friday. I'm excited to hear some uh, reports of that. I'm looking forward to uh, all the reaction we're going to get about O'Shea Brissett. People are going to call next week and say he's the next great thing. And uh, we're wide open for that, by the way. No game next week, so uh, no football. So we can talk hoops and get your reactions on uh, what you see on Friday when we are back here next week. The remaining shows this week, tomorrow we're going to talk Miami football with Joe Zagaki, their play-by-play announcer. Miami is 5-0, and but a couple of very close calls. They've got a talented team, sophomore and junior laden team. And then we'll visit with Ian Eagle of CBS. We could talk with Ian about anything, anytime, but he's one of the top voices of the NFL and NBA and had that controversial call in the Jets-Patriots game this past weekend. Certainly has a good pulse on the AFC East, so the Jets and the Bills and the Pats and the Dolphins for that matter. Bob Wischusen, who we had on the show last week, will get on again because he uh, has the Jets at Dolphins, but he has the Syracuse-Miami game on the tube this weekend. So it's all kind of coming together there, Paul, all, all overlapping. I'm really excited uh, for basketball this season, and I don't well, know. Well, it's going to be a fresh slate. It's gonna be, you don't really know what you're going to get. It's the opposite of last year. We knew nothing last year, but we're excited because we were told it was going to be good, <laughs> and this year... We don't know what we're getting, and it's got the potential to go the other way. You know, that most of us have the feeling it's going to go the other way this year. You know, it's going to be a tough basketball season with yeah. the with the young kids. But I'm hoping uh, we get a good coaching performance and uh, some surprise young players. Yeah, and I think the the tenor of practice is different at this time this year than it was last. Last year it was like, hey, we got a loaded team, let's get out there and play, and it didn't really work out quite like that. This year, it's more, okay, we have all these new pieces and potentially different combinations and different contributions from people and guys that need to get better and uh, 
improve and get better physically. And so I think they're approaching it uh, with that in mind, that there's playing time to be had. There's uh, really kind of roles to be defined and uh, certainly individual players to improve and show that they belong. Back to Jerry's first comment, the, the defense will be better because it, it, by Syracuse standards, it can't be a whole lot worse. The, the fact that the ball last year very easily got to the high post and then at the rim there was no discouragement. Well, both of those things should be improved this year and, and probably at the rim more so than uh, than the guard play because we're not certain about that until we, we kind of see him. But you have Pascal Chukwu, who's a shot blocker. That gives you a little bit of a safety net on the defensive side, and with no disrespect meant to uh, Torian Thompson and Tyler Lydon. Tyler was a, a good shot blocker and a good rebounder, but not an impre- imposing around-the-rim presence necessarily. And Torian Thompson was just somebody that was an excellent offensive player, gifted with his skills, and uh, not a ton of buy-in on the defensive end. So uh, room for improvement there. Uh, Baruma Sidibe, O'Shea Brissett. Uh, some of these guys that we'll get to see for the first time at the scrimmage orange versus white on Friday night. Then it's the uh, charity circuit with the Ms. Orange luncheon on Sunday, the Boys and Girls Club uh, dinner on Tuesday night, and uh, the season will be here before you know it. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.